Well, we're in James chapter 5 today. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up there. As we finish the book of James, and man, what a, a blessing it's been. Um, I gave this message a title. It's called The Message for Anyone. And you'll see as we go through why I, I, I titled it that. But let's go ahead and read through, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. So James chapter 5, in verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone, there's that word again, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so it's a message for, for anyone. Anyone here suffering? Anyone here cheerful? Anyone here sick? How about, is there anyone out there who's wandering? James, it's kind of cool the way that he ends the letter. He doesn't end it, end it with like a formal a doxology, you know, or some kind of closing sentence like Paul the Apostle. He, aims it, he ends it in a very practical way. Like if there's anyone out there, you guys, we got this job. We're still here on this side of time because we want to get souls into the kingdom of God. We want to see them saved. And so people, you guys know this, and we've seen it during the pandemic, people wandering away. And we have to ask God to use our life in order to bring them back. And so we're all, I think, man, dealing with some of these issues. I know for sure the first one we are. He says there again, notice in verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone here suffering? And I know many of you are. You know, many of you are suffering for many reasons. It could be the, the loss of a loved one who passed away and you're suffering. It could be the pain of a prodigal, a child, and those are the ones that hurt so much and you're dying inside. You know, it could be various reasons. Sometimes we can't even put our finger on it, but we're being oppressed by the enemy. We're suffering from anxiety. It could be depression. I mean, there's so much heartache in this broken world that we live in. And, and what James says is if that's you, if you're suffering, and I know many of you are suffering, then this is what he says. He says to you, Pray, pray. Now, I know for some, that might sound a little insensitive. Dude, what are you talking about? You're telling me to pray. You should pray for me. I'm hurting, and you're just going to tell me to, to pray? Now, don't get me wrong. I know for sure James would say, like, if anyone's suffering, like, I know someone is suffering or hurting, the loss of a loved one, the pain of a prodigal, you name it, the depression and anxiety and the things that we go through in life, and I'll pray for you. I will pray for you, but understand the best thing when you're suffering is for you 
to pray. Now, you know, when I was thinking about that, I'm like, Lord, you know, they're, they're praying, I guess, in one sense. You guys pray before you eat, right? If you don't, you're bad. You're really bad, right? I mean, when you pray before maybe you start your day, you know, you get the, the little prayer in there and stuff. But uh, I don't know, like, on, on all honesty, like how our prayer life really is. I don't want to impose upon you my personal convictions because I don't want to be a Pharisee. But man, I would venture to say that most of the church does not pray the way they should. I mean, you're, you're a dad, you're a husband, and you don't get on your knees and pray for your family? I mean, you know... When you're praying and when you're talking to God and you're connecting and communing with your creator and you've got a place or a space where it's just you and the Lord, I mean, there is nothing like that in the whole wide world. And there are, you know, sometimes I think people out there, they think, well, that's just for the pastors. I ain't one of those guys. That's just for the missionaries. That's just for the, 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 the crazy, you know, radical, weird Christian. No, it's prayer. It's prayer. It's the greatest privilege that we have in the whole wide world because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom so that now someone insignificant and so sinful, someone even like me, I can go into the throne room of God. There is nothing like that. There was nothing like that. When I get to go into my garage, and I'm just telling you guys this because sometimes I'm feeling it when I'm there and I'm just weeping and just crying out to God and just praying and just asking all these things and talking to him and listening to him. And I'm wondering as I'm there, Lord, does the church, are they experiencing this? Because when you're suffering, you really got to make sure that you are seeking the Lord. It's a time of special prayer because God, during the suffering, wants to do a special work. If you let this pass, then you let an opportunity go by. You know, prayer is necessary um, for deliverance, and it's also necessary to deepen our walk with God. And that's why he says, hey, if any of you guys are suffering, then you need to kind of like, you know, crank up your prayer life. And maybe you're here and you're not used to it. You know, I got to meet you guys where you are. That's why we're talking about like something like a discipleship class. Maybe you have no idea how to do this. You're like, man, I don't know how to do that. And all I can tell you is, okay, well, let's start here. Take like 10 minutes of your life. Turn off your phone and just talk to God. You know, and then it, it becomes 15 minutes. Next thing you know, I mean, God's got this amazing work that he's doing in your life and i pray that we would have that heart understanding that as we're suffering uh, we do have to pray for deliverance psalm 50 and verse 15 it says call upon me god says in the day of trouble and i will deliver you and you shall glorify me you know because when you're going through suffering when you're going through troubles when you're going through that kind of stuff i will say this that the devil's going to try to use it to take you that way but God wants to use it to take you that way. And so God says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. See, not just for deliverance though, 
but to deepen our faith. I think of that passage in Philippians 3 and verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Here's a guy, think about it, man. He's been a Christian for 30 years, Paul the Apostle, right? And, you know, you would think, well, I'm sure he's content with his Christianity, but no, he says, I'm still, like, you know, forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forward for that which is ahead, and this upward call of God, this prize, this goal in Christ Jesus. Well, what is it, Paul? What are you, like, longing for? What are you, you know, after? And Paul says right here, it's that I may know him, that I may know him in a more deep and intimate and personal way, and the power of his resurrection. How many of you guys here would like some of that power? You're like, like the six million dollar man or something. I don't know. You know, you know I, yeah, I, I would love that power, you know, to be able to defeat me, my rudest, biggest enemy, to defeat the devil, the world and influences of the lies and the, the society that we live in. And you can't do that if you're functioning on your own strength. So you need the power of the resurrection. But Paul right there, he says that I may be conformed to his death. So first you've got to die to self. Then you can experience the power of, of the resurrection. And so knowing God, that's what I want. I want to know him. I want to deepen my relationship with him. Well, it has a lot to do with his praying and asking God to help you through these things. And then he says right there, Paul says, and he understands it because he has been around long enough that it's not going to happen without the fellowship of his sufferings. And so when you go through the sufferings, you guys, it's then that you're going to be able to have this fellowship with God that you cannot have any other place. You know, Jesus, we know he was a man acquainted with sorrows, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, that he knew our griefs, that he carried these things. And so as you go through the suffering, James here asks us to pray. You know, someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? And he said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it and make it what it's meant to be. When you suffer, understand there is this fellowship that God wants to have with you, and he's waiting for us to pray. You know, anyone suffering, James tells us what to do, then you need to deepen your prayer life. Have you been doing that? You're like, well, I've been suffering. And I tell you what, I'm using my phone. Are you going to the throne? Is anyone suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? This is what he says. Then let him sing psalms. And so when we're suffering, in one sense, we give God our broken hearts. We give to God our problems. But when we're rejoicing, we give God the glory. And have you guys noticed that? I remember when Ryan Reese was here, he said that we're all bipolar. You know, we're we're yes, and I don't want to make light of that, but I know about even me, I feel like I'm pretty much, you know, even killed and, and stuff. But, you know, you have your highs and then you have your lows. You guys ever go through that? And sometimes you're up there, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll, man, this is such a great day. The sun is shining. I, I'm feeling good. I'm just, sometimes you almost can't explain it, and you're just cheerful. The word talks about just being uh, in, in that good spirit. You're happy. You're glad. And so what do you do in those days? Well, James says right here, then you sing psalms. So let me ask you a question, okay, Christians? Let me ask you a question. 
Have you been praying? Like, like seriously praying? Have you been singing? Have you been singing? And some of you here have. You're like, yeah, when I go to church on Sundays, I sing or Thursdays or, or whatever. And, and I want to encourage you again to take advantage of this amazing opportunity that we have to praise the Lord. You know, when we're cheerful, I mean, there's a couple of different things that can happen. Number one, we can be cheerful and not be grateful. You know, how many of you here, you touch your kids to say thank you? I'm just curious, right? And if they didn't say thank you, someone gives them a gift, and they don't say thank you, you knock them upside the head, right? I mean, you're like, what's up? Don't be so rude, you know? Um, And so in one sense, it's kind of like being thankful. I think in another sense, too, though, um, when things are going good, and you're cheerful, and you're happy, and you're glad, um, sometimes, and this is so crazy how we're all over the place, we might forget God. You know, some people, when things are going hunky-dory, they don't really have a clue, and they just kind of lose sight of God, right? If we're there and we find ourselves suffering, then we pray. If we're, we're cheerful, we sing psalms. Um, this morning I was trying, because uh, I'm not really good at this. I, I feel like God's really got me praying, you know, more, but singing, because I don't have a good voice. And so sometimes I'll, uh, when I was reading this, I'm like, Lord, let me try this. And I started singing, and my family started throwing tomatoes at me, and it was weird. <laughs> no, but seriously, try it. Like, what's your song? You know, what are some of the songs the Lord's been is blessing you with? And, and just start singing, and, you know, you'll, you'll find those praise songs of public worship are just so amazing. They're honoring to him and they're life-changing to you. I'm encouraging you to do that. But I will say this, that you don't just sing when you're cheerful. Don't misunderstand me. Um, Like James is saying, you pray. It doesn't mean we don't pray. James is saying, you sing when you're happy, but not just when you're happy. Of course, we know the Bible talks about how we sing even in the dark times. Job 35.10 or Psalm 42.8, it talks about how we have these psalms or songs in the night and then even in in acts chapter 16 verse 25 when paul and silas were in prison in the dungeon at the bottom it says they sang praise songs at midnight so i will say this you guys you want to be strong you want to be a strong christian you want god to use your life you want to enjoy this relationship that you have with god Whatever you do, please don't be one of those Christians who only stay on the outside of holy things. Don't be a superficial saint. And so James here, you know, as he's closing the letter, he's getting down to the nitty-gritty. You gotta you gotta start praying. And you gotta start singing. And we should. I think it's so important for us. He says, as we go through times difficult times as we go through the ups and downs of life we need to make sure that we are acknowledging god and then the third thing he says right here is anyone among you sick in verse 14 then let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven 
So I don't know, you guys. I think we can all relate to this. And I don't know about you, but I appreciate like things that are really clear, things that are really specific. Are you suffering? Okay, then you've got to crank up your prayer life. Are you cheerful? Then you should start singing. We really always should, but especially in those days. And if you're sick, if you're sick, don't just you know, submit a prayer request through our app. I mean, that's okay to do. But James here, he just breaks it down and he makes it very practical. Then you need to call for the elders of the church. That's just the pastors of the church. You know, have them anoint you with oil. And that oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It is also symbolic of medicine. And then they, when as they pray for you, it's okay for you to go to the doctor. It's okay for you to go, you know, and take care of yourself in the, you know, hospital or wherever it might be. But not without God. And that's what he's saying here. And so you, you call and you have these guys pray over you and, and, and God will use that. The prayer of faith will save. And in this context, it's talking about healing and it's even more so because it's deeper because we're going to see that as we go through sicknesses and ailments in life, you know, it's God's another, another way of God kind of working in us, you know? You know, he says right there that if you've committed sins then you're going to be forgiven. Now, God doesn't heal everyone. You guys know that, right? Sometimes the Lord allows those things to linger because he wants to keep us in a place where we are dependent upon his grace. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient. Um, there were times uh, Paul asked for prayer. He, didn't, he asked for healing. He didn't receive it. Or he asked some of the guys that we was with, they didn't receive it. Sometimes you know, people, they didn't make it. They, they went home to be with the Lord because it was their time. First John 5.14, it says that when we pray, he hears us. It's all according to his will, though. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say you got sick and you were talking to God and God didn't want to heal you. Would you still say, no, I want to be healed? Some of you here probably would. You're like, yeah. I tell you what, I don't want anything outside the will of God. You know, and if it's something that I'm going to have to linger with, or if it's my time to go home and be with the Lord, praise God. But you got to make sure that you at least give him opportunity. And so as you're there and you're, and you're praying, it's not just a physical issue. There's ministering that needs to take place within our lives. So we need to call for the elders of the church. We need to lift this up to God in prayer. As a matter of fact, if you're sick today, I got some special oil here from Jerusalem, and it has special magic powers. I'm just joking. (laughs) It's not the oil, huh? It's not the oil. We see it throughout the scriptures. What it is, is being obedient to the scriptures and using those things that God says will draw our faith. Because as we have faith, God can heal us. But you've got to make sure that you seek the Lord and not just the doctors. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting passage in Second Chronicles 16.12. It says, And in the 39th year of his reign, King Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. And so just the doctor, just whatever the medication, just the physicians, and not the Lord. And so what James is saying is that if you're sick, it's okay to have 
the medicine. Oil is even symbolic of that as well. The ancient cultures thought that it had that medicinal purpose in it, but you also have to make sure you seek the Lord. Now, King Asa, he started off so well, but he did not finish well. As a matter of fact, something interesting about King Asa is when a million men came against him, the Ethiopian army, you know what he did? He prayed. He prayed, and God delivered Jerusalem from a million men. But when he got sick in his feet, he didn't pray, and he died. So we, as we're looking at these things, we're learning. Now, to me, it's interesting here how he says, and if he has committed sins, notice that in the end of verse 15, he will be forgiven. Sometimes sickness is because of our sin. Sometimes. But I would say that you have to be really careful with that. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just because we live in a broken world and we get sick. Uh, When you get sick, when I get sick, what I do is I ask the Lord. I say, Lord, is this because I have sin in my life? Have I done something wrong? Maybe I haven't been listening. And I remember when I hurt my foot, um, I forgot what the injury was, but I couldn't run for about a month, you know, because I was running in these shoes that I thought were real Nikes. I got them from Cambodia for $2, and for some reason, (laughs) I guess they weren't real Nikes after all. And so, but anyways, um, I, I, I got with the Lord, and the Lord said, this is why. That happened, and he pointed something specifically out to me in my life. You guys, our God is a holy God, and if you're messing around, and if you're living in sin, and if you're not treating your wife right, and if things are happening, and and you know, and things aren't happening, it, sometimes it's because there's sin in our life, and God says, "Hey, get right. I'll forgive you, and I'll give you the grace to wash it away, and I'll give you the grace to change." So for, for when we get sick, sometimes it's because we're in sin. Remember when Jesus healed the man um, that was lame, his four friends brought him to the house. They couldn't get him in, so they went up, they opened up the roof, they dropped him down, and then Jesus spoke to the man, and he's like, wow, I trip out on these guys' faith. And then he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. You know, and of course, we know the religious leaders were all upset. Who can forgive sins except God alone? They didn't know that it was God in their presence. But Jesus then goes on to say, you guys are doubting here. Let me prove it to you. Take up your bed and walk. That you can know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And so sometimes, and apparently that was his reason, he was in sin. That's why he was suffering that. Same thing in John chapter 5. And as a matter of fact, when Jesus healed the man in John chapter 5, he said, listen, I'm going to heal you. But sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. So this is what James is telling us, and it's things that we have to examine our life. Now, I will say this, that if someone else says, hey, Manny, the reason that you're know that you're in that is because you're in sin, I, not that I won't listen, but you know what? That's something that only God can tell me. So don't go around, if you see someone sick, oh, they're in sin. You know, you start you know, pointing out their flaws. God is such a gracious God. I mean, he is slow to anger. Don't play God for other people. But do search your heart for yourself. I'm not saying that God can't speak through people, but be really careful. 
You know, in John chapter 9, you guys may remember when the, they saw the blind man and they were passing by and they were looking at this guy who is blind. He's been blind from birth. And so they said, Lord, who sinned, him or his parents? The Jews had a theology that said you could even sin within your mother's womb. And that's why the guy was born blind. And so Jesus said, neither. That's not the case. This guy was born blind, believe it or not, for the glory of God. And so we, we have to know the scriptures. Look what he says in verse 16. It's kind of dealing with the same thing. He says, confess your, your trespasses to one another and, and pray for one another that you may be healed. There's something in that, you guys. There's something in that, that transparency. There is something in that intercession for one another that, that brings healing. And who knows? Maybe it's not just physical healing. Maybe it's the healing of a broken heart. And there's a scripture that John shared earlier, and I, I've always loved that out of Luke 4, how the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to preach the gospel and to heal the brokenhearted. And so we're here, and he's saying, man, come clean. Be transparent. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for each other that you can be healed. But notice he goes on to say, man, you have no idea how awesome the power of prayer is. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then James goes on to give Elijah as an example. He says, who was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I mean, imagine the transformation that would take place in the congregation if people started praying deeper the way they should for themselves and for other people. And then they'll, they'll get healed, and you're like, well, no, not me, because I'm just this sinner. I'm just a normal person. You know, I eat at Taco Bell, whatever it is. You got different things. You're just a normal person, right? And Elijah here says, man, James here says, Elijah was a man just like us. He was just like you. And he prayed, and the heavens didn't give rain. And you're like, well, what's that all about? Well, what had happened, you guys might remember, if you go back to 1 Kings, Elijah was a prophet to the northern kingdom, and they were, they were all messed up, man. This nation that had been founded by God was, was so far off worshiping their pagan gods. What did Elijah do? He started praying like crazy. He started praying and praying. We don't know how long he was praying, but he was praying and praying and praying, so much so that eventually the day came where he went into the king's palace. And when 1 Kings chapter 17, he just bursts onto the scene, and he tells the king, it will, it's not going to rain unless I say so. I mean, what we find a lot of times when we're trying to you know, make things better, whether it be in a family or a community or, or even a, a nation or society, is we're fighting with spit wads and pea shooters. What we find Elijah saying, hey, if you want to win the nation back to God, then you got to get back to prayer. And he goes and he's just praying and God says, okay, tell the king it's not going to rain. Close the heavens for three years and six months. And you guys know the, the country started feeling the brunt of it, of course, right? 
And then eventually, as we see, time passes, three years, six months later, um, the time comes. And then Elijah goes and he has a showdown with the prophets of, of Baal and the other uh, false gods. And you guys might remember there, First Kings 17 through 19, God called fire down from heaven and licked up the offering. They slew the prophets of uh, Baal. And then what ended up happening was Elijah said, okay, now I'm going to open up the heavens. I am going to open up the heaven. You can go home now. And what he did was he went to the top of the hill and he put his head between his knees and he prayed. And then he asked this guy, hey, is there any rain yet? Not yet. So he put his head between his knees again and he prayed. And he rained yet? No, he prayed. And he rained yet? No, he prayed. And he, rained. he did it seven times. And I, I'm not saying, well, you're like, okay, all I got to do is seven times and it'll work. No. <laughs> I don't know how long it will be when you put your head between your knees to see the heavens open. But if Elijah was a man just like us, then what we find is God is saying right here, you can pray that way. And you can watch God work. Like I said earlier, and I think a lot of really what James is talking about in this last section has a lot to do with prayer. And to me, it's a really, really awesome way to end this amazing letter, a very practical letter. But you know what? We're so busy doing everything else. And I'm not saying that I got the, the best prayer life in the world because God is definitely calling me deeper and calling me to spend more time with him in a greater way and so many different things. Even Saturday morning, men's prayer, beautiful. Beautiful. But all I'm saying is that, you know, for us, we're doing all these other things. And I just have a question for you. How's your prayer life? Well, I pray while I'm driving. You know what? Again, I don't want to be a Pharisee and I don't want to judge because I don't know you. Maybe that's how God has it for you. But I know when Jesus would wake up in the morning, he would go away where no one else could bother him. And it was just him and his father. There was nothing like that. There was nothing like that, where you sanctify a place and a time and you're just weeping before the Lord. If we do this, look what happens. God gives fruit. God blesses. God rains down answers. When I was thinking about that guy, Epaphras, in Colossians 4.12, it says, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, he greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I mean, here is a guy who is a servant. Maybe he was a leader, maybe some type of overseer, maybe a pastor, and he knew his responsibility, that he was to labor fervently for the people in prayer. The, the word right there is where we get our word agonize from. And so I know it's tough, and the enemy's going to fight you tooth and nail. And there's one thing that he's gonna, he won't give in on is your prayer life. It's been said that Satan trembles even when he sees the weakest saint on their knees. But I pray that we would have that heart. Remember Jesus in the garden sweating drops of blood? That's how we should pray. 
Remember Jacob wrestling all night with God? I mean, I remember when I used to wrestle in high school. We did six minutes. I was dead. (laughs) Imagine wrestling all night. Imagine how difficult that would be. I don't want to pray. I'll be honest. My flesh doesn't want to pray. My flesh doesn't want to exercise. I don't want to do things. But I know I have to. And so here's Jacob wrestling all night with God, and at the end of the night, in the wee hours in the morning, basically all he says is, I won't let you go unless you bless me. I won't let you go unless you bless me. reminds me of Dia Moody who went into a hotel room, and he said, I'm not leaving this room until I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You guys realize Luke 11, Jesus said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. You don't have to live that life. You don't have to be distant from God. And so James here talking about if there's anyone you know, suffering, if there's anyone cheerful, is anyone sick, these are the things that we do. And then the last thing, if, is there anyone wandering? Look at verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Okay, so verse 19, who's he talking to? Christians. He says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Now, in the Greek language, this is what's called an aorist tense. And in the aorist tense, it means it's a completed and whole action. So this is not just somebody who kind of dilly-dallies on the side. No, this is somebody who's gone. They have completely wandered from, not just church, they wandered from the truth. You know, there are some people who don't believe that's possible. And, you know, um, that's fine. There is, doesn't mean you're not a Christian. As a matter of fact, you know, it's an in-house uh, debate or whatever you might want to call it. They, they would say, well, you can't wander from the truth. You can't fall away and sometimes i wonder then why are these words here um they once saved always saved that's what they'll say and so basically what pastor chuck taught and i my, my pastor Rawl as well is this you know we we abide we are eternally secure as we abide in jesus christ that there are people who used to preach there are people who used to sit in those pews and for all, everything we look and see, man, it sure seemed like they knew the truth, but now they're, they're not there. They're nowhere to be found. And so maybe they were never saved. Only the Lord knows, right? But I, when I read my Bible, I kind of like to take it at face value. There's an interesting verse in Proverbs 21:16: A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. So my encouragement to you, first of all, don't wander away. Don't wander away, even though it's our inclination. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We turn everyone uh, to our own way. And so we all have that tendency. So my encouragement to you is, is, is keep reading your Bible. Keep reading your Bible with an open heart. Keep praying. Keep going to church service. Keep serving the Lord. You know, you abide, Jesus said in John 15. Keep believing until the day that you die. So that's one thing I want to share. But, but basically, the main thing what James is sharing right here is that if you turn him back, if you, we can be used by God to turn him back, then we will 
transform that person who is now identified as a sinner from the error of his way and save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so I think really the main thing that James is saying here as we close is let's have a heart, you know, to, to go after the prodigals. Maybe there's someone that you haven't seen in church for a while. My encouragement to you, uh, number one, pray for them. And then number two, pursue them. If we did that, because I don't know everybody who comes here and I don't know who, you know, doesn't attend all the time, but the Lord kind of shows different people things like that, then you go get them. Uh, In closing, later on, you guys might want to read Luke chapter 15. And it's interesting to me, when you read that chapter, how Jesus is meeting with these sinners and, you know, tax collectors and stuff like that. And he got criticized by the Pharisees. I can't believe you're hanging out with those guys. And then Jesus shares with him a parable. And what he says is, how many of you here, if you had a hundred sheep and one went astray, wouldn't you leave the 99 to go after the one? Right? So that's really the heart of Jesus, to leave. He'll be willing to leave the 99, go after the one. Maybe there's just one person here today who is not yet a Christian, and Jesus is because he just loves you. And he wants you to get right with him, and he died for you. He rose again. He's asking you to put your faith in him. Or maybe he's out there at the mall, or maybe he's over there. Sometimes on Sundays, everybody's at the beach or whatever, you know, and God, he'll leave the 99, go after it. And then when you read the second parable, you have the woman who lost a coin, and she's searching everywhere to try to find that coin. Yesterday, we had a special event, and I lost a tie. I couldn't believe I lost this brand new tie. And I was searching everywhere, lifting up mattresses. I mean, you name it. I'm like, how, how did this tie get raptured? I don't understand how this happened. But... It's kind of like that. That woman who lost the coin, she's searching for this lost coin. And so you have Jesus leaving the 99 to go get it. You have the Holy Spirit searching, 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 right? And then the third part of those parables is the father and the prodigal son. And he just, he says, give me my inheritance and I don't care if you live or die. Give me my money that's allotted to me. He goes and he wastes it in prodigal living and You guys know the story, right? The father just let him go. The father let him go. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that father was praying for his son. Because sometimes that's all you can do. You know, they won't listen. You've tried, you know, leaving the 99. You've tried searching for that lost coin and they just won't listen. And the the whole last section right here is about praying. It really is. And you pray, and then it's just so beautiful when the son came back. You guys remember what the father did? Because he was watching, and then he ran to him. He put a robe on him, a ring, sandals. He killed the fatted calf. That's the joy when just one person gets their life right with God. So maybe you're that one person today, and... I just pray that you know God loves you. He's willing to forgive you and give you a new start in life. But you've got to say yes. It's like Jesus said, will you marry me? And you've got to say yes. Don't say I'll think about it. Say yes.